0: Welcome to Coaches on a Mission. It feels really good to say that name. So this podcast is made especially for values-driven coaches who want a clear path toward a business that you're truly proud of. I'm Dallas Travers, and I thank you for tuning in because this week we're celebrating the show's new name by highlighting five coaches who truly are on a mission. So before I introduce our first guest, let me share a bit about a giveaway that's happening this week. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure every values-driven coach on planet Earth knows about this show, and I'm asking for your help. So this week, I'm giving away a special bonus training designed to help you feel confident about your pricing. Plus, I'm going to raffle off a VIP day intensive one-on-one with me to a lucky winner. So you can check the show notes to find out how to get the bonus training, plus enter the raffle. Please just take about 30 seconds now to check that out, and then come on back for the rest of the episode. Thank you so much for supporting this show. With that, let me introduce our guest. Her name is Naughty Fantastic. Naughty is an anti-oppression leadership coach and workplace educator. And at the heart of it, Naughty's coaching approach helps entrepreneurs, organizations, and individuals connect with their humanity, as well as their personal goals to operate with zero tolerance for discrimination. Naughty helps her clients establish new forms for accountability, new understandings for breaking the silence, and new systems for fostering inclusion equity, and belonging. So Nadi's mission is a big one, and in this conversation, you'll learn more about it. Plus, you'll hear how Nadi takes care of herself so that she can hold a big container for her clients. Of course, part of her self-care includes roller skating as every good self-care plan should. (laughs) So with that, I'm happy to introduce you to Nadi Fantastic. Hi, Nadie. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Dallas. Thanks for having me. I just want to dive right in because I'm so inspired by the work that you do and also how you show up and do it. For all of our listeners, right, we've changed the name of the podcast. And to celebrate that, I have handpicked some coaches who I really see walking their talk when it comes to being values-driven and mission-driven And you're at the top of that list. So I'm excited to share your mission with our listeners. And I also selfishly just want to dig into it more and hear straight from you what all of this means
1: to you. Thanks for being here. Yes. Thanks for the invite. It's it's fun to be here.
0: Yeah. Great. So let's just dive in. Let's create some context. Mission. What does that word mean to you these days?
1: It's connecting to purpose Mm -hmm. for me which if i you know you were to ask me that 2 years ago 4 years ago 10 years ago it would have been much more tactical <laughs> like huh. mission is step 1 step 2 step 3 step 4 step 5 equals end result where now it's much more purpose like it's nuanced like okay what's between the sentences like when i'm coaching people what is their value system inside of it that's that's mission to me mm-hmm. and it changes it makes super fluid I guess Mm -hmm. is a really great way to put it too. It's really fluid. Yeah. That's what I'm learning too about Mm -hmm. mission. And
0: I think that if you would have asked me a decade ago, I would have really confused mission with being something stagnant. And if it changes, you're doing it wrong. Right. No, this is my mission and it defines who I am. And I think that my mission amplifies who I am or highlights who I am, but it doesn't actually define who I am because my mission over time has changed. Right. As it should with growth,
1: right? right? Every growth edge would come an an altered version of your mission.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I want you to share with our listeners about your work. Before we go too deep into vision, talk about what it is you do in the world and how you serve people. And then we'll circle back to this mission conversation. But I think it's important for people to have context.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's changed what I've done as the mission has changed as I've grown. Right now, really, my mission is to coach businesses at like as an equity and inclusion business strategist. So I go into companies, I work business to business, and I help them define their DEI strategy. I find gaps, we work with them, and find a way to kind of really create inclusive and belonging space inside their companies. And then I also have the business to consumer stuff that I do, which is as an anti-oppression leadership coach. So this is, I founded the Anti-Oppression Leadership Academy, and it's a space to take leaders who want to be inclusive and get them right underneath the rug of what is anti-racism? What is anti-oppression? Like, what do I need to know about the marginalized experience, the lived experience, so I can therefore lead them better? Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. predominantly what I'm doing right now. Yeah. 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 You're just also so good at it.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's an uphill, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so how does your mission really show up? It feels pretty clear to me that your mission is to help leaders really create anti-oppressive spaces, right, and really be Mm -hmm. on the path toward anti-racism. How does Mm -hmm. that mission influence the way you, the path you take on your own business or the clients you choose to work with or not?
1: Oh, good question, because I've just started to get more, like I'm going into year three with Mm -hmm. my company. And I'm just now starting to get a little stronger in vetting clients better to be able to tell who's out there and doing the work and really wants to roll up their sleeves and who's just looking to tick boxes. Mm -hmm. So for me, I come from two decades of operations management. So I come from running businesses. I've been doing it for most of, like for my adult life, essentially. I've been doing that for with a micro edge towards communications and digital marketing. So that mission that I had to help businesses create their strategies and create their communication and, and develop their marketing strategies that funneled into this in a way of being like, okay, I get that you're running your business, but I'm going to show you how to layer it in. So it's not this whole other massive thing of like, oh gosh, how are we going to be inclusive and still run our business? the mesh of it was sort of my mission and how it mixes with this Mm -hmm. choosing clients is becoming it's tricky because there's a lot of people out there who say they want to be inclusive leaders but when you put in front of them the self-work and accountability needed to be an inclusive leader it's really easy for people to put it down to not change the habits that they Mm -hmm. have it's tricky yeah
0: completely or even look for like can I be inclusive light
1: (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of that. And that's, the, that's, it is really the tricky thing with, with, if we talk about anti-racism specifically in business, mm-hmm. it, the tricky thing with it is because what it means is you can't pick and choose. Yep. So you can't be like, okay, but I'm anti-racist here and I'm inclusive there, but also I'm not really going to talk about indigenous issues. I don't really need to know about that right? That's not anti-racism. And alongside it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have a marketing strategy and I'm going to have a, uh, an internal strategy for my team, but I'm not going to do anything that's actually giving back to the community. Right. Well, that's not an anti-racist business model. So, and that, the, the pick and choose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it is just highly inconvenient work, highly inconvenient work and so important and so rewarding, but It takes a level of intentionality. I'm new on my path toward building an anti-racist business, and I learn in public every damn day. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's part of being Uh mission-driven, right? uh you're falling in front of people. The further we walk that path, the more intentionality we realize it requires, and the more effort it requires, the more reward. There's no question about that. But it's definitely a commitment. And I can imagine the container
1: you have to hold, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. lot in that area. Like speaking of mission directly, if I get really tactical about it, in my mission, it really is to make it easier than it seems. Yeah. because looking from the outside anti-racism as a business model looks like it's this massive mountain how the hell am i going to get up it and all i'm doing is slipping at the bottom and Mm -hmm. i can't seem to gain the courage or the competency or the knowledge because the rate of change the knowledge rate of change is so rapid out here right pronouns alone changing so fast in that space that's my mission is to make it simple And to help people understand that I call it the cycle of intentionality, which is one of the first methods we go through in the um, anti-racism business model, like group coaching program that I run, is to get them to see this in a piece by piece. What self-work do you need? Great. What leadership skills do you need? Awesome. What operations, actual technique do you need? And you get those aligned into this cycle, then that particular piece of your anti-racism strategy can move forward. Yeah, And then we can look at something else and connect self-work with leadership and operations. And then we can move that forward and to piece it. So it's not this like, I have to do it all in the next six months. No. Mm -hmm. What can you focus on? Give me one thing you could focus on in the first quarter. Oh, my goodness. And
0: it's just building that out in layers, right? So that it becomes a way of operating instead of always this new thing you're learning. Yeah.
1: Because mm. that burns people out. Yeah. And they have to change so many habits. Like we as humans have to change so many habits to redesign the world that we're trying to create. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have to change so many habits in that. And if it's too heavy, the human condition is comfort is a habit. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to lean over here on defensiveness or I'm going to lean over here on whatever emotion comes up and be like, "Yeah, it's too hard. And they put Mm -hmm. all the tools down. So I'm
0: curious, with such an important and large mission, what do you do to take care of yourself so that you don't fall into, for all of the reasons you need to, right? Like, what do you do to take care of yourself so you can move forward on this mission?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And first and foremost, I'm going to be super honest about it, is I fall off the rails. Yeah. We all do. We all will. And it doesn't matter what level of work you're at or knowledge or you're brand new to or do you someone like myself? I don't always stay on my feet. And sometimes I can't see a burnout coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, This happened last year. I was pushing really hard and working with some really intense clients. And I didn't see the burnout coming. And all of a sudden it was on me and it just floored me. It was a good six weeks before I could really open my laptop and be like, yay, (laughs) let's do this work again. So from Mm -hmm. that is, yoga every day, without a doubt. I'm always trying to move my body. It's got to move through its energy is what's happening. And because I'm in these containers with people and their energy can become really spicy towards angry, or Mm -hmm. it can be really sorrowful and they kind of lean towards guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. So I'm nurturing that as well. So yoga, roller skating. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) know that. That's amazing. (laughs) something I picked up and, and I just set up a little like space in my garage where I could kind of put on my skates and move my body and get hurt. It's, to be honest, it's just getting hurt. Crocheting is like, Crocheting. one of my big ones. Considering the line of work that I do, I spend an re- unreasonable amount of time watching shows about the British monarchy. <laughs> <laughs> but if for some reason, Dallas, it calms me down. calms you down? <laughs> Because it's just so bizarre to me. Yeah, like, right. Really? Did you really need to pr- treat Princess Margaret that way? Anyway, like I can just go on about it. So I will sit there like a ninety-year-old lady crocheting and watching The Crown. <laughs> like, right. but to me, that's self-care. That's part of it. So I relate to It helps.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say I relate to the essentialness of mindless entertainment. And also the routine around crocheting, I knit, right? But it's yeah. just, it's it's a routine. You get into this rhythm. It can almost become meditative. And yeah. for and me, the, and my guilty pre- pleasure is Dateline podcasts. So Keith Morrison's voice, I hear his voice and it just puts me into a relaxed state. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, whatever gives that dopamine really is what, yeah. is what it comes down to at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm dyslexic and ADHD. So dopamine is a challenge in that area. Mm-hmm. I was just hanging with friends yesterday and they're video gamers. They have like a, some kind of gaming console thingy or whatever. And I, it just blew my mind that they would just go in and they'll spend literally eight hours immersed in this virtual world. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I need one of those. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. to escape, escape from the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for being
0: so transparent about what self-care for mission-driven people can sometimes look like.
1: You gotta get creative. Yeah. And for I'm a ridiculous person. So for me, it has to have some element of silly mm-hmm. to it for me to feel that release. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what works for me. So the monarchy. The monarchy it is. <laughs> woman, like the actual, like the top dogs of colonists. And I'm like, yeah, right. I'm gonna watch all about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> And then go teach people how they can manage their businesses to not be colonizers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. (laughs) So I feel like their mission and values go so hand in hand, right? So can you talk about, I'd love to just know what your core values in this season of your life might be and how they play a role in your life, but in particular inside of your business.
1: Mm, great question. For me personally, probably my top value right now, and this is never—I've never been afforded this luxury in my life—is to heal. Mm. And as a racialized person, as a queer woman, as a non-binary person, you know, my pronouns are she, they. I've never been able to just lean back into the healing process of what it felt like to grow up in in a white society. I was adopted by a white family when I was nine months old. So I was Mm -hmm. raised in an entirely white environment, had no connection to my Indigenous heritage whatsoever. And I grew up in Alberta, Canada, which is Mm -hmm. an incredibly racialized place. It's the largest KKK organization in Canada that Mm gathers every year. So all of that got internalized. So my values right now are really centered around healing, which mm-hmm. pushes of course up against like, okay, then why am I sitting in containers with people and helping them with their healing? It's working in a way of like, my values are to heal myself, which is actually trickling through on how I want to support clients as well. Mm-hmm. is to help them heal from any internalized superiority or any, the experience that they have of guilt and shame that you've got to heal from that in order to be like, it's your ancestry, but it's not you. And you get to mm-hmm. change the script. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a big one for me right now yeah and intentionality Mm -hmm. that's probably top dog in my business is the the intentionality is to to, to help people understand that they can be intentional and you can take a break you can take a breather but you got to get back up and keep going and that's the same for me is that I'm intentional with the work that I'm doing and that means with clients with interviews that I do with events that I produce and Mm -hmm. just a lot more methodical right that mission
0: yeah. Is there a difference for you between intentionality and discernment?
1: What is, so this is dyslexia. So now I just mixed the definitions of those out. What's the, <laughs>
0: the yeah. what's the definition of discernment? What would you... So for me, as I heard you describing how you're, where you're intentional, I thought, oh, okay. She's really discerning about who she works with and when she takes breaks. So discernment is about being particular about your choices.
1: Mm, I think that's the direction I'm going. Yeah, uh-huh. I like that. I like that. It's like that. Definitely seems like underneath the carpet of intentionality. There's a, there's yeah. a depth there. Yeah, hmm. I
0: like that. I might be getting too meta here, but as we're talking, I feel like I don't know that. I think if you are operating with intentionality, discernment is a natural side effect. But you can have discernment without intentionality.
1: Ooh, I want to unpack that more. I'm going to write a blog about it. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I want to unpack Mm -hmm. that more and see, because that is probably, there's probably a bit of a key and a lock there for people also doing this work, Mm
0: -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. that
1: looks like, especially when you talk about business strategy. Right. Because so much of it has to do with like discernment and then the intentionality. Interesting. Good point. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. Well, let's circle back. Write your blog, send me the link. Let's circle back and have this conversation because it's gotten me thinking too. Something that I've been exploring lately is around the conversation of healing is really exploring the judgments I hold around entitlement. Mm. I've just noticed inside of myself some fierce judgments when I witness something that to me looks like entitled behavior. Mm -hmm. And whenever it's that intense, it's always like, okay, that feels like it's an invitation to look at yourself here. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I've been really looking at that and unpacking what that idea means to me and why it is so, why that label is so triggering. Right. There's discernment there too.
1: Yeah, there would be, yeah. And entitlement is slippery. And this is why like white society is really really resistant to it and has a defensiveness Mm -hmm. towards it. It's right up there with privilege, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not entitled. I'm the same as everybody else, but that is the slippery part of internalized superiority. Mm -hmm. And it's a great thing to Google and Google internalized superiority and and dip down that rabbit hole of what that looks like as a white bodied citizen growing up in a white society. Mm -hmm. You can't see it. Because yes, you're swimming yeah. in the same ocean. So yeah. You can't see entitlement. It, we, Other people can see it in you, but it's a really, really challenging thing to be like, oh, me parking my grocery cart across the aisle is, a, is, is me exercising entitlement to mm-hmm. the space around me. Mm-hmm. Subtleties like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting. Thank you for that. It's something I'm exploring in this season of my life because I have guilt around it. And the way it shows up is becoming too accommodating and perhaps rejecting opportunities to ask for what I want or take a certain stance or be more discerning because I don't want to be entitled. So I'm like really looking at the dark side of my, my intentions around that because they don't always serve me.
1: Yeah. And there's a jagged edge there because at that point, you're looking at your identity Mm -hmm. and then you're looking at a habit in that space yeah it's that angle it's tricky who am I as a person and who am I as I as an entitled person showing up in the world around me that discernment right there Mm -hmm. it's it's challenging and again this is when a lot of people will put the tools down because it gets too hard and comfort is easier yeah
0: completely yeah so let's fast forward and it's a year from today (laughs) and if we were having the part two of this conversation a year from today is there anything that you hope to look back on and celebrate or is there any new edge you hope to be approaching a year from now
1: i'm really goal driven and that Mm -hmm. comes from being a single mother and raised in poverty and on my own since i was 15. so I'm really goal driven in the company as far as like revenue targets going into year three, there's really lofty numbers that I'm yeah. playing with and strategies that I'm putting out. So in a year, definitely to look at that and be able to be like, Nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. As a person, I'd like in a year from now, I would love to be able to look back and be like, wow, you came through some, some shadow work mm. and the shadow work gets easier. Because mm-hmm. if I think of where I was a year ago now to now, the shadow work has gotten easier, but it's also like I'm dealing... I'm Right now I'm processing anger yeah. and I'm processing resentment as part of my healing journey, which is heavier. It's got mm-hmm. more weight to it than just trying to process being able to speak and take up space in a meeting. That's where I was. So that's a big one for me, for mm-hmm. me to hear. Just the peace side of it. I'm an anxious person. I'm a worrier naturally I worry naturally I'm anxious so I can get into my head and spin like crazy down narratives that aren't probably ever going to happen so it's just kind of like a little more stable I guess is what I feel when you say that when you said that I felt like it was just grounded just more stable at the base that the top of the tree doesn't really Mm -hmm. shake about if it does I'm not bothered at the root level Mm. that's a great metaphor the name of my company is Accountable Roots Yeah, that's the name of my company. Yeah, it's Accountable Roots. So that's that's the work that we do is help organizations build really strong roots. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I look forward to catching up a year from now, right? And seeing those numbers like almost be laughable, (laughs) right? But then, you know, you talked about your value being healing. So it'll just be interesting to hear or see what role healing is playing a a year from now.
1: Yeah, and I can see what's happening because with the healing... I'm naturally stepping into my leadership Mm -hmm. and I'm naturally stepping into my ability to speak about what it's like inside an oppressed existence. Mm -hmm. But I can't do that unless I'm healed. I think that direct line is really going to be a strong point in a year. The the more that I can talk about, not the trauma of the experience, but the intellect of the experience Mm -hmm. and, and that helps guide people through without shame, blame, guilt, or really any kind of drama, that healing component is going to help in that area, because I'm going to be able to stand up taller and share. Yeah, and know how to help people through.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you for coming on the show today. This was a really fun conversation to have. And um, I just admire the work that you do so much and the way in which you approach it. So thanks for sharing your values with us and talking more about your mission.
1: Thank you for having me, Dallas. This was an awesome chat. I mean, I could talk about this all day long. So Yeah, (laughs) totally. Great. Thanks, friend. I appreciate
0: it. Of course. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you at the next episode thank you so much for tuning in to coaches on a mission if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe follow rate and review do all of the things (laughs) to show your support for this show it is so helpful for us and it also helps other coaches find this show if you want to take this episode further please follow me on instagram I'm Dallas Travers Biz Mentor, and every week I turn our episode into a week-long mini course on my Instagram page. It's designed to help you apply what we talk about during the episode to your business in a super tangible way. So,